Welcome to the Deep Dive into Agile Marketing Podcast with your host, John Cass. Together, we'll take a closer look at the ins and outs of marketing through an agile lens. You'll learn from interviews with top agile thought leaders and practitioners and gain fresh new insights for your journey. Let's get ready to dive in. Welcome to the Deep Dive into Agile Marketing with John Cass. I'm your host, John Cast, here in Boston, Massachusetts. Today, I'll be talking with Travis Arnold, co-founder and CMO of Herefish, which is recently acquired by Bullhorn, who's based in Boulder, Colorado. Welcome, Travis. Hey, how's it going, John? Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, uh, I'm pretty well. Um, it's it's a great pleasure to have you uh, here, and um, you know I'm excited to to talk with you because I think we've known one another. I don't know when did we meet around 2010, something like that. Yeah, if not right before, it's been at least 10 years, uh, maybe 10 plus. So great, and and it, and it was about in the early days of agile uh, marketing. So I I thought we you know talk a little bit about. Um, you know, your um, intersection with Agile Marketing and, mm-hmm. and also the Agile Marketing Manifesto. Um, so, so let's start off. What, what was your journey to marketing and, and Agile Marketing? Uh, so journey to marketing is kind of convoluted. You know, started, started at a, a big Fortune 100 company on an arm of the marketing team and then moved into uh, software. And that's that software company was kind of really immature in the marketing, um, kind of the, the life cycle of where they were. So they were just kind of starting digital. Like I had kind of grown up in the digital world. Uh, this is like 2006, seven, eight timeframe. Um, and so, you know, we started kind of, see, you know, doing the, doing the basics, you know, putting some time into SEO, PPC it, it was pretty new back then as well. Um, and then we started um, started noticing that you know, at a, a software company, your your tech teams are always shipping products for largely the same person. They're just in a little different spot in the in their journey with the company. And so it, it was it seemed more efficient. It's that more you know more agile and 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 Scrum. And so why don't we kind of adopt that on the marketing side? We are a smaller team. This is again this is pre. 2008, we were, we were small and had a small budget. So uh, this kind of set us up for a, maybe a future question, question but um, you know, we're, we were just trying to ship as much of the right stuff uh, quickly and efficiently and assessing the performance of that and then iterating on top of it. And that's kind of where it all started, like the mindset that we, we had had back then um, when, we, when we kind of started talking about this in like an agile marketing um, perspective. And um, so you got into it and found benefits. And and then I think one of the, the things that I've always found with you, Travis, is that you're, you know, you read a lot and so forth. So were you, you, were you also sort of searching around and trying to find out what other marketers were doing at the same time? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, at the, at that time, it was a pretty small group. I think you were one, uh, Frank Days, Jim Ewell, um, Yasha, I mean, they, that's kind of, there was like four or five people that were, had written s- some stuff about it. And I started sharing some thoughts like, okay, here's, here's how I'm approaching this from a, you know, small company, small budget, small team perspective. Um, and then started looking at that as like, there's some parallels here. There's some overlap on like what, what Jim, Jim is talking about or what Frank is talking about or what you're talking about. Um, and so then it, it just kind of 
you know, that community started like growing as a you know, very small group of like-minded individuals uh, started, you know, kind of chatting and getting together. And I, I think that's where, it, that's where we got to, you know, Sprint Zero and kind of led up to that. So. That's right. So we, we put together that Sprint Zero conference in 2012. Um, and as part of that, you know, one of, one of the goals of it was to come up with our own version about the Agile Marketing Manifesto. Um, I, I think part of that was that we started seeing a number of people posting agile marketing manifestos. Can you, can you tell me about, you know, how that all came about, you know, your work with some of the other writers in the community, how you put together, um, uh, the material so that, um, you know, Jim could work on the workshop and the actual conference. Yeah, for sure. Um, kind of like I said, there was you know, six or seven folks that had put, put out there, like, here are the, here are the guidelines as I see them, or here's, here's what I'm seeing agile marketing look like. Uh, so those, you know, six different thoughts, six, six, six or seven different perspectives. So, so what I did is took all those and kind of read through them all listed like their kind of key points out and then, um, started putting together, okay, here's the overlaps between these. Here's, here's like a bucket that we could pull from, for, for sprint zero. And then they basically summarized each one. So like, here's, here's kind of like the, the meat and potatoes of this post and what, what we're really trying to say. And those like six, seven things became, you know, largely turned into the six or seven values that we have today that, that were voted on and kind of, um, uh, looked at during, during sprint zero in 2012. Uh, could, uh, perhaps we could go through a couple of the values and principles, you know, do, uh, do you think, uh, and also I wanted to ask the question, do you think there is relevant uh, today? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's go through them for sure. How about um, on values, many small experiments over a f- few large bets? Yeah. I mean, that one, that one to me is like, it's, it's, it's kind of adopt. I mean, I think if we, we back it up a little bit, it's like, you know, agile, you just kind of have to adopt this iterative mindset. You can't, I think a lot of marketers grew up in this like waterfall. Here's our, you know, 10 to 12 page marketing plan every year. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to execute on. But a lot of that's like based like months and months and months ahead of like, ahead of time, like marketing conditions completely change. Obviously we have a really good use case of that. If you did your marketing plan in November of 2019 and then tried to execute on that throughout 2020, you're probably screwed. Um, There has to be, there has to be some, some agility thrown in. So when you think of that, it's like that kind of throws that out, out, out of the door, out of the the door right away. Uh, And then you think about like, let's iterate on some small things. Like let's, Let's rather than redoing an entire website or redoing an entire campaign, let's tweak one thing of that. So let's let's change the homepage or let's change email number three uh, subject line. Let's always be testing something because that's going to help us build on top of success. So it's like we hit one success. Okay, that was like incremental. We only rose uh, by one or two percent. Like let's let's keep pounding on that until we get like the best result out of this part of that campaign. Um, and that's, that's kind of where I see it. It's like, it's just really adopting that it's, it's obviously there's the tactics of like, let's experiment and test, you know, all the time, but there's also like a mindset of like, we're going to build something and there's probably gonna be parts of this that are going to be wrong, but that's okay because we're going to iterate and we're going to test kind of every edge of it. 
then we're going to have the best result once well, once we're once we're done. Well, isn't isn't that something? If you're doing the small experiments, you're much more likely to find out if um, incrementally you have some successes. But it also means that if you start going down an area where you're not having successes, it's going to be much. It's going to be easier to to retrieve it. Whereas if you spend a lot of resources on a large bet, then um, and it doesn't work. <laughs> that, that, was a, that was a big. That was a lot. That was a bigger waste, right? Yeah, Crystal Pepsi, right? So it's it's you know you have you have you know Crystal Pepsi was the next best thing. A lot of tons of resources, and they just pushed it out. And it's like yeah, this this doesn't really. It's not that great. It kind of sucks. Um, so you look at that at like a you know a software company. We've all seen that products come out, and they're like, yeah, this really isn't doing the right stuff. It's not. <laughs> we we didn't have a, a great persona in mind when we built it. We just built it because we thought it was cool, and a lot of time, effort, and energy was involved. And we didn't find out up front that, hey, this kind of sucks and it's not the right thing we should be spending time on. Uh, so you're 100% correct. Like you, you find out the good and you also find out the bad, um, which, which you know, you have to be willing to, when you do find out the bad, to go ahead and uh, kind of murder your darlings. Like we, had, we had talked about this earlier, but you got to be okay with this thing that you spend a little time on. Like, okay, that sucked. Like we're, we're throwing it away and we're going to move on to something else. I do like that phrase, murder your darlings. <laughs> um, so how about validated learning over opinions and conventions? What, uh, how do you think that's relevant today? Yeah, you know, I think you've got, um, there should always be this like learn, you know, learn implement measures that we have on, on as a market manifesto, but you should always be t touching base with the people that are kind of beneficiaries of what you're building. So if that's current customers, you need to be talking to them. If it's prospective customers, you need to be talking to prospective customers and assessing what that market's going to need. And then you like go through and like, okay, this is what we know and this is what we've learned. So rather than thinking like, this is what they probably mean, like, Let's just hear it from the horse's mouth and, and, and start building that, build that profile, build that persona out. Um, and then, and if, it, if that means it bucks a convention, that's okay. Like if there's, <laughs> if there's something that your audience is telling you like, Hey, this is what we really need. Um, and you're still adhering to kind of this old school way of doing things and not willing to adjust to this new way of like buying or behavior, then you know, there's somebody that is, and they're going to, kind of leave you in the dust at some point. Yeah, this this one I really think speaks to customer journey mapping and and having marketers go back and and revisit that on a regular basis, you know, not I I mean I mean I wonder how many people really do that, but <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not static, right? So like you might do like it's easy to go do a couple interviews with people and then okay, this is what we learned in 2010, right? And right. you might not ever visit that. Well, 10 years later, things have changed. Like how we use the web has changed, how we used apps and devices has changed. So you just, there's, there needs to be some sort of process in place where you are consistently um, tapping into who's using your products. And you know, at least you have a, um, a telephone <laughs> with that person and, and have, have them um, kind of consistently giving feedback or get, grabbing feedback or from them. Um, customer focus collaboration over silos um, and hierarchy. Doesn't that get into the discussion about small and large companies as well, just because there's probably more silos? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, this one, 
um, kind of seen firsthand both ways. So obviously my, my bailiwick and background is on, on kind of the smaller side of the house. You know, like you mentioned in the beginning, we were acquired uh, at the beginning of the year by a much bigger company. And so it's, 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 you start to see the walls of the silos that didn't exist when you're kind of an agile company, not just an agile marketing department. Your whole company's agile when you're, you know, 10, 12 people. Um, but when you have 2000, 3000 people, that's a very different, <laughs> very different thing. So um, I think it's easy to get away from what the actual problem you're trying to solve is. And then it's also easy for teams to work independently and, and basically be duplicating work when there's really no need to. We can all kind of share share resources. And that, to me, that's just opening up um, lines of communication, sharing that tribal knowledge. That's That's super important, especially as you start to get to a giant organizational scale. Um, and, and again, at the root of that, it's the customer. It's what they, what they need, what they want to buy, what they're, what's really going to kind of push the needle forward for them and make their experience better should be at the core of all this, not what uh, somebody in department A thinks or somebody in department C thinks. Well, doesn't it mean, uh, especially for larger companies, again, I suppose for any organization, mean that um, you really have to think carefully about how you're structuring a team or the different teams so that they can work together? And you just mentioned that a moment ago about whether you're duplicating work or not. So um, have you, you know, have you seen some examples of that? Or do you think that's one? Is that one of the problem areas you think um, that Agile can, can help solve? It, it is, you know, I think you have the concept of cross-functional teams and, and I think a lot of times cross-functional people are like, oh, well, that's, you know, that's like a designer and a, a developer together and, you know, maybe a project manager, but like sometimes those, those, those like a project manager on the PMK side and a project manager on the UX side, those people can collaborate. You know, they're, the, they're pretty, pretty much the same role, just in different sections. But if, if you can't get all the teams together talking all the time, then at least at minimum, you can have some kind of tribal knowledge getting shared across uh, across the silo lines um, with, with kind of an executive sponsor, executive leader. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think it can help. You know, I, I've seen teams come together, you know, teams of three to five, you know, crush stuff. Like they just building, building left and right and building the right things, not just building for the sake of building. Um, so I've seen that come together and in big companies. So you have, you know, some, some companies are kind of adopting this, like, you know, at, at Bullhorn, it's called an emergent, emergent technologies group, but that's, it's basically a cross-functional team that's like pulling and, and straddling between, you know, super innovation and then um, the kind of the classic department. And I think that's starting to see, you know, seeing some benefits of moving, moving faster on the right things. Um, kind of, you know, it's kind of a loose agile mindset and not necessarily just in marketing, but it's, um, it's starting to you know, kind of get, weave its way into different departments. So it's pretty cool. Um, so as part of the agile marketing manifesto and um, for the, uh, the sprint zero uh, event, you know, you, you went out and you looked at uh, different writers and uh, put the materials together. How, so how, how did you work on that whole process and who were some of the people that you referenced? Um, yeah, the whole, the whole process has been, been a few years off to go back and check it out. But uh, you know, really, really, I think it, came from my own kind of discovery, trying to find out who was talking about agile marketing. Um, 
and then what what were they thinking about? Because I was writing kind of independently, writing some stuff about my thoughts and experiences uh, and observations of it. Um, again, it's like 2009, 10. Um, and then it was then it was going out and finding who else had been writing about it. So I think um, Yasha and um, obviously Jim were, were, were two that had kind of their thoughts out there. Um, and I, I'm blanking on, on some of the other, other names I had looked into. Oh, maybe but, Scott. Yes. Yes. Scott Brinker for sure. Yeah. He had, he had a ton out there. He was, he was one of the first like, you know, technologists, classic technologists, but also like had, had, had jumped the, jumped the chasm into the marketing world and how, how, you know, how do you pull from what you learn as a technologist into, um, into this marketing world. And I think, you know, obviously you, see, you still see him today, you know, he's at HubSpot, I believe, and uh, still like pushing that forward. Um, and back then it was like, there's, there's similarities here. We have to define them. And that's what, that's what ultimately led to, you know, kind of the consolidation of, you know, the roundup of agile marketing manifestos. And then that was like the, um, the, the board we could pick, pick those first values off of to vote on at Sprint Zero. So I wasn't able to attend Sprint Zero, but helped on the planning side of it. Um, and, and, you know, it's really cool to see, okay, here's, everybody had like independent work. And now we have as a, as a kind of a collective, here's, here's the seven values that we, we feel are the most, most relevant and the most representative of what we're trying to do as a, as a, as a movement. I, I think we should continue the process and and go back and look at it, either you know refining it or seeing if there's anything uh, that we need to add. Um, I'd also like to see um, you know some of the differences between a description of the differences between marketing and dev. You know what are those differences between marketing and dev for the approach to agile? Yeah, I mean, I, to me, I think I think the timeframes can. You know, this is kind of a, a crappy answer, I know, but it's like I think the time frames are usually a little shorter, but they could be a lot longer. So by that I mean you have, you know, you might have a a one week. Hey, here's here's uh, some content pieces we need to crank out because you know we need to we need to fill the blog. We have email content. We have you know a resource we want to get out the door, and that might just be a week time frame that we're working in, and we're. We're building, we're assessing, we're building, we're assessing, you know, you have your daily standups, you're making sure you're on the right track and you start on Monday and on Friday, you're, you have, you know, seven things to ship. That's, that's great. But you can also on the flip side of that have, you know, have a really a much bigger project. So say a website redesign or completely camp campaign overhaul, like those things aren't, don't fall within like a one or two week sprint period. They usually last two or three months. And so how do you take these big, things and chunk them out, you still get to use ad, agile methods to do that. Um, but the final result, the final big push might not be for a few months down the road. Whereas um, if you worked in just two week sprints, you might, you know, conceptualize an idea on day one and on day 14, you've got something that, that gets launched out the door. So I think that's, that's probably the difference. Um, you know, you have at, at Herefish, we had kind of like a, you know, continuous, continuous development. So we had two week sprints and we were always shipping something every two weeks, but on the marketing side, we didn't necessarily mirror that. It'd be, we might work in a week sprint for some things. We might work in three week sprints for others. Oh, that's interesting. 
that's that's that is really interesting. Um, we also talked a little bit about the differences between um, big and small companies, um, mm-hmm. and I know you've had some experiences with that. Um, yeah, yeah. What what do you think? Um, how, how do you think the size of the company affects? Um, you know, how a team approaches or different teams approach Agile for marketers? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think, you know, as a small team, so kind of two different, I guess three different variations of it. So as a small startup team, so like I said, we had we had 12 employees when we were acquired. Um, our whole company was Agile. So it wasn't just like marketing was Agile, everybody was Agile. So we, we were always kind of testing we, we had kind of shared responsibilities of talking to customers, assessing what was working, what wasn't. And then, um, then taking that and creating, creating kind of the next best thing. So, you know, some of that could be um, marketing. We were, hey, hey, this isn't working. Let's build something new. Or on the dev side, hey, this, this is something we're finding how people are trying to use it. Let's build something that kind of, creates uh, less friction when, we, when they're trying to build something. So that was like a small startup world in a 40 user, 40 user um, company, which was kind of send, send outs days. That was probably 10 years ago. That was marketing and dev were very agile. And so that's where we, we kind of shared, um, we shared um, ideas with, with one another. You know, obviously I, like I said earlier, you know, the, the web teams, the development teams had adopted Agile uh, first. And then we kind of started seeing like the parallels on the marketing side and adopted that framework and mindset. And then as we move into a big company, it's like, I think you have to try a lot harder. And I think there needs to be like some executive sponsorship that, that has to happen. And there's definitely leaders that, that have that mindset of like, okay, yeah, let's, let's, let's build cross-functional teams. Let's break down some silos and, uh, it's just it's just harder to see like, um, and it's, again, small company you see it like immediately. A big company it just it just takes it takes a lot longer. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's been interesting to see the development over the last couple of years. Um, you know, more and more companies taking on, but bigger companies and and how they're handling that growth. You know, how they're um, because I think it's I think it's one thing. To have a smaller company or a small team, and um, and have it adopted, but it's another thing to have a larger company where you're trying to push adoption with, you know, hundreds or not thousands of people. So it's it's a whole different kettle of fish. Oh yeah, no question, no question. Um, are there any other um, things that you can uh, think about the Agile Marketing Manifesto? I mean, do you, do you think that we should have another, another run at it and uh, uh, more, uh, more ideas about, uh, um, uh, you know, how we approach the, the description for people? Yeah. I mean, I think it'd be, it'd be fitting to kind of re reevaluate, reassess, you know, it's like, um, it's, it's an, it's core, it's iterative, right? So our first version might not be the best version, but it's what we had. It's what we decided on at the time. Um, fast forward, you know, eight years, eight to 10 years, it's probably, let's, let's look at it. What's changed in the world? Where did we get wrong? What did we get right? What can be consolidated? Maybe, uh, or expanded on. Um, so I definitely think there's like the value should always be up for discussion and debate. Um, 
on the principles as well. I know we didn't really flesh those out too much, but you know, there's, there's definitely, um, you know, there's, we have the proposed principles and my favorite is, you know, principle number 10, which is simplicity is, is essential, you know? So it's like, I'd love to expand on that. What's that really mean? Um, I think I see a lot of marketing teams overcomplicate things. Um, let's, you know, like it, it's, it's kind of that waterfall mindset. It's, it's hard to, to shake sometimes it's let's, let's build the most complex, com, you know, convoluted thing versus let's start with something small and something that's super simple for somebody to adopt and understand and let's get it out there and let's see what the performance is and let's iterate on that versus let's try to do everything all at once. And I feel like that's what, what happens. People get under the underwater really quickly on bigger projects because they, they try to do it all at once. It's just not possible. And, and it is really all about being focused and, and getting the work out rather than trying to spend too much time on stuff that while it may work, it may not. And, and so therefore uh, a faster <laughs> speed is better. Yeah. Um, I was also thinking, I mean, it reminds me of SEO and web design. Simplicity is essential. <laughs> That's almost yeah. a statement for web design. <laughs> No question. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's try to keep things as clutter free. There's only so much mental load somebody can take. Right. So let's take as much of that away as possible and let's break things up in logical places on, on websites and let's make it easy for people to kind of navigate how they should on a website versus throwing a bunch of speed bumps and hurdles in their way. You know, if, if our whole goal is to get somebody to convert on a site, why do we make it so hard? And I think a lot of people, they ask, you know, 10 questions on a sign up form or they um, put, you know, put buttons in weird places and nothing's consistent. So it's, yeah, I definitely think there's a lot to pull and that it's directly applicable to like kind of the, the tactics and output that marketing teams are, are charged with that can be uh, pulled from here. Well, Travis, uh, our time is drawing uh, to a close here. So I, I really appreciate you taking some time to chat with me about these issues. And I you know, I look forward to perhaps working on that uh, uh, Agile Marketing Manifesto uh, version two. I also understand you're, um, you've actually been furthering the project by, um, by uh, helping uh, publish some of the translations as well. What, what other languages do you have there? Yeah, we have. We so right now we have a great community uh, feedback from on Spanish, French, Italian, Turkish, Japanese, German, and our latest two are Finnish and Swedish. So we have those values. Um, those values are translated. That's on agilemarketingmanifesto.org. And then we're always, like I said, I recently just kind of pushed up a a clear more more. 2020 version versus the 2011 version of the manifesto. Uh, but yeah, if you have, have uh, translations sent them my way, I'm happy to, happy to get them up on, on the site uh, and, and then just spread the word uh, throughout the, throughout the globe. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Thanks for, for being such a resource for the community and, uh, uh, and helping to evangelize uh, across the world as well. I think that's really important. Yeah, man. Love it. Well, Travis, thank you so much. Um, we'll talk to you next time. All right. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on the deep dive into Agile Marketing with John Cass. My thanks to Travis, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Deep Dive into Agile Marketing podcast. 
Be sure and subscribe to our show and leave a review to let us know what you thought of today's episode. And if you like what you heard and want to learn more, visit www.businessagility.institute.